This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only, on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey guys, a very good evening. I thought I'd be uh, a little bit festive and put my little Wolves festive jumper on and get the old Christmas tree. As you can see, the old uh, Wolves baubles are there in the background for you. And um, I thought, you know, try and be a little bit festive, have a little bit of festive cheer. It is Christmas this week. It's also my birthday, the day before the, the Chelsea game as well. So they kindly, uh, I put a request in if they'd move it and they kindly moved it to Christmas Eve. Um, obviously not. I was quite happy to go on my birthday, um, but it's got moved. Uh, I do want to say, of course, uh, to kick us off, uh, a massive, massive thank you to uh, the wonderful, fantastic uh, people at Creation Wolf, uh, you know, for partnering and powering Extra Time. They're great people. They're very, very clever. Uh, about helping your online presence and uh, we're very very proud to have them as partners along with all of the uh, all of our partners that support uh, the channel uh, we're going to be having a really nice good chat tonight it's a monday night chat so it's a little bit different uh, a little bit of a different feel to extra time more intimate um less guests and i've also put a link in uh the chat which i will put here for you and for you guys as well, and in the uh, the link below, I am opening the floor tonight as it's Christmas to any of you guys to come and join us having a natter um, about Wolves, the game, and everything here on the screen. So that I'll put the link out there. You're all welcome if you if you want to get onto the show and have a natter. Uh, you'll get put into the green room and then we'll uh, we'll bring you on. Call it like a little bit of an open phone in tonight. That'd be absolutely ma- amazing. And uh, we're going to we're going to be tucking in to a lot of things uh, tonight, of course. Uh, all the usual uh, stuff that we're going to be talking about, analysing the game, talking about what went wrong. We've got a fantastic article on the uh, on the Wolves, uh, the AlwaysWolves.co.uk website, which has been done by uh, Dave Porter, which is really fascinating. I'm going to go through this as well. We, it's a brilliant article. Um, 
and it's you know if you if you've not bookmarked alwayswolves.co.uk you should do because we have some fantastic articles and it's not behind a paywall or anything like that as well uh, and just before i get started i want to get this right up front uh, tonight is that i'm really really thankful as well because you know nordvpn are still managing to uh, hold on to this offer for us um for you guys out there and you might think about vpns and things like that you think well what do i want a vpn for it's virtual private network well it keeps you safe when you're online it makes your online browsing secure if you're in a public space for example you put your vpn you can't really get hacked it protects you we have got wolves fans all over the world obviously in the uk australia thailand the usa Bangkok, um, you know, you, you look at Germany, Spain, Portugal, you, you look at South Korea, you, all over the world we've got Wolves fans that tune in to watch the games. If you've got your VPN, you can tune in um, and it will protect you as well. Also, with my VPN that I use for with Nord, it's like I use it a lot and I genuinely do use it um, on our tv we've got our vpn when we want to watch some pro american netflix and stuff like that we watch it if you want to watch your christmas festive programs you've got your vpn that you can uh, change your location and get them 3 p.m kickoffs going as well which is really really good and when you go abroad on holiday like when i was in morocco um for 10 days it was invaluable it's on my computer it's on our tv it's on the ipod it's on emma's ipad it's on emma's phone one subscription it's on everything and it's absolutely a, a fantastic offer and if you're thinking about a christmas gift for yourself you're never going to get a better time and i just want to i do want to share this before we get stuck in um because i want to get stuck into this but look at this offer that you've got here you know you have got two years and an extra four months for for nord and why do you want it basically you can listen to your favorites abroad uh, shield your data from, from snoops and criminals, protect yourself on public Wi-Fi, and secure every single device you own for one thing. Now, if I go through to NordVPN here, you can see that it should be £187.32, and for two years, you can get it for £64.53, which is a massive discount, and you get four months you get four months free as well. Now, if I go to the main VPN site, you can see they've got a deal, but you only get the three months extra. With us, you get four months extra um, as well. And on top, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. You know, so I wanted to spread that festive cheer because, you know, if you want to do a Christmas gifting or something like that, it's definitely something for yourself and for buying for friends and family and whilst you can get it at this sort of price especially with everything that's coming over christmas and all your tv and everything else it's worth getting and i just want to say a big thank you to nordvpn for working with us to be able to bring this offer for you guys and i know that quite a few of you have already got it right then let's get stuck in to the action i am very lucky to be joined this evening by my good friend um, he is literally this guy. This guy is hardcore. He's not just the voice of reason. He is hardcore. He's a hardcore Wolves fan, man. You know, he's there pretty much every single game. And at the end of the match, I was there. You know, at, at the London Stadium. At the end of the match, you know, we're clapping the players. We're you know, they come over to us. Fair play to the players. They've had a bad performance. They come over and still acknowledge the fans. 
Jack, I turn around, I see Jack in the crowd with his flag, defiant, holding his scarf up, proud, standing there, holding his scarf up, mate. That's what you were doing, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Is that because yeah. you didn't want to clap them? Partly, yeah, yeah. But 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 also, like like I've said to you many many times, you know, I don't mind us losing. It's kind of, you know, it, it's not the be all and end all, is it? Football at the end of the day. So, you know, and I thought that you know one or two players did actually put a, put a, a shift in and had a go. So you know, I think they deserved a bit of appreciation. Um, I was disappointed in quite a few players, and and I was really disappointed in the overall performance, but. You know, like I say, it wasn't even the worst performance we've had this calendar year. So, you know, I think we put it into a bit of context and, and um, we move on, don't we? Well, we're going to move on, but we have to chew the fat on this. I'm yeah. delighted also uh, that I've got my good friend as well. He's becoming a little bit of an institution uh, over here. He's becoming more always walls by the week than uh, than he was before. He is here and he has got, I mean, I mean to be fair, um, Howler who we guys have named is looks like he's had a bit of sherry mate <laughs> i think he was at the office christmas party last night wasn't he so yeah he looks, evening night he looks yeah. he looks he looks razzled mate he looks like is it like this he's he's been i think he's, he looks i've got to tell you how all right he has got he, he's got his own character because every time he comes on he's got a different look one time he came on, he was so ashamed, he turned his back to us as well. But he does look a little like he's been on the pop, mate. It's it's the season of merriment, isn't it? Yeah, we're, it's a little bit rushed. I've just come back from evening car. I've just come back um, from football training with my daughter. So, um, yeah, it's been a busy evening. So I've just kind of come back in, into the office. So so that was great. So, yeah, he, I don't know what he's been up to in my absence, but, yeah. I'll have to have a look around the office, but there might be a few empty bottles around. So he's having a good time. So, he, he, he absolutely, mate. I mean, and it's a pleasure to have you on again. I say you are becoming quite a regular here. Now it is a Monday night, so a lot of our regulars, as a lot of people, you know, have, it's slightly different. It's Christmas week as well, so I mean, getting guys and people to come on uh, is much appreciated. But we do need to talk about the game at the weekend. We do need to chew the fat, and as I say. Anyone is welcome tonight. There is a link, a show link in the description, along with your NordVPN link that's in there if you want your NordVPN. But like your show links in there as well. And I will, again, put it up in the chat for you. You guys there that are talking and chatting away and have got an opinion, come and join us. There's the link. Come and join us on the show. Come and join us. Hoops and Howler, come and join the, the Voice of Reason and we can have a proper little natter. And hopefully, uh, if we get enough time, um, Craig will be joining us as well. And we're hoping that Sooty, uh, when he gets in, will be able to come and join us as well if he, if he gets in on time because we started early. Right, Jack. Jack. Yes. What's your initial... Talk me through your day yesterday. Talk me through the day. Talk me through... The your whole day, your emotions, how you feel in the build-up to the game and, and everything else. Just talk us through. This is as a fan who goes pretty much like me, home and away most games. Talk me through it. Um, so, I thought it would be a, a tough game. I know they'd lost 5-0 the last game, but, you know, it, it, West Ham, they're, they're a decent home home team. 
Um, so I was, I was, I thought we'd probably be able to get a point. I wasn't overly optimistic of a win. Um, I don't like going to West Ham. You know, I don't, I don't want to upset their fans, but I think they probably realise it's an awful match day experience going to the London Stadium. It's, it's just dreadful. So, um, you know, it's not one that you, you look forward to. Um, and but I was, con- I was hoping that we'd, you know, we'd show a little bit. And, um, but I let, I left the game feeling really, really flat and really, really disappointed. As I said to you earlier, just before we came on. I don't mind Wolves losing. You know, I've seen us lose enough games in my time and, and you guys will be exactly the same and everyone in the chat will. But have a go. Make the opposition earn that win. You know, West Ham had to do very, very little yesterday to win that game. Very, very little. And that was the real frustration for me. Um, we just, we looked so flat. We looked so passive. Um I couldn't get my head around what the formation was supposed to be. Whatever it was supposed to be, it wasn't working. Um, you know, I said to you earlier tonight, a streetwise team go into that game at half-time, down to 10 men, but nil-nil, because you take the bloke out on the halfway line when he's counter-attacking. You take the book in, but you stop the counter-attack. And, and they scored three pretty much identical goals. I can't They're not identical. Identical yeah. goals. I can't. I can't remember the last time I saw that in a game where a team literally went, "Oh, we can score down this right hand side if we just run at the bloke and put it in the corner." Let's do it again. Oh, we scored again. Brilliant. Let's do it again. Second half. Oh, there we go. Three 0 game over. Thank you very much. It was. It was just. It was. It was nonsense, really, wasn't it? And you know, you can portion the blame to to anyone you like, really. I think Bentley should have saved two of the goals. I'll put it out there. I thought he was awful. Um, Samedo backing off, backing off, backing off for the first goal. You know, he was nearly off the pitch, wasn't he? You know, I'm like say, go Samedo for the first goal. Um, no, Jack, I'm go and make, go I'm, and I'm, make I'm, a tackle. I'll tell you the reason why I'm going to defend him, right? I'm going to defend Samedo because I thought Samedo was one of our best players on the pitch yesterday, and I'll tell you the reason for why, right? Samedo, he's a right wing back, not a left wing back. He was the only person trying to cover, and he was moved over to the left-hand side, trying to cover the massive big hole that was left by Bellegarde getting he lost in the first half, and Totti Gomez has had two bad games in a row, and Semedo was left out to dry. He tried his very, very best, but he was covering from the other side to try and cover that massive gap, and he shouldn't have even had to be there. And then you go on about Bentley, I think possibly... He should have done better with the first goal. But when you look at the goals, I mean, we'll talk about Bentley and Bentley's performance because people have been clamouring for him to, to start and, you know, he kept a couple of clean sheets. He was left very exposed for all of the goals. The first goal, yeah, Samido tried to block it, went through his legs. And what's the old saying? If it goes through the player's legs, it goes in the goal. So many times you see it happen. It also happened with the the one that hit the post. It went through a player's legs, hit the post, and Bentley's literally stood there. I don't know what he's supposed to do with it. Uh, maybe, but like the second and third goal, do you think Saar saves those goals? Because he's the keeper. I think the third one he gets gets to it, I think. To be honest, it's not in the corner, is it? And it, it's not particularly venomous strike, is it? It's it, it reasonably well placed, but... Um, I think that, I mean, I think what do you point, think of my argument there about Samada? I mean, I, I, all, all, all I'll say is, is the first goal particularly comes from our corner. And if you watch how we set up from, from our attacking corners, Samada is always left back on the halfway line to cover the counter-attack. So that was his job. 
that's his job in that team. If the corner gets cleared or it breaks down and they start a counter-attack, his job is to get across and cover, which he did. OK, I'll give him that. But once he gets across to cover, you've got to do something. You can't just back off and back off and back off and let the guy run to the edge of the box and then pick his spot. You've got to but, go and do but, something. But, but, Jack, yeah, I get what you're saying. But, Jack, and obviously I'm, I have to do, the, do this. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But, Jack, when you're left exposed like he was... And you've got players left and right, and he's trying to also stop the cross into the middle. You know, he's trying to do two or three jobs there and trying to give time for the rest of the team to try and get back with him. And he's kind of like caught in a little bit between a rock and a hard place. I thought, I think, you know, yeah, you've got a point. He could maybe could have done a little bit better, but. He was left kind of hung hung out to dry. I mean, Hoops, I want you to come in on this. Um, I mean, you've heard Jack's point of view. I'm defending Tomato a little bit. You've got your opinion on um, on Bentley as well. I know people, some people have been going in on Bentley, and I, I think there's a fair argument um, that there's a, you know, a, a regarding Bentley. But any keeper that's left one on one with strikers, it's going to be difficult for them, and you know they're left sort of like. They make a save, they're brilliant, but the the strike is always going to be favourite. But what's your thoughts on Samedo on that point? Do you think it's harsh criticism or do you think it's fair criticism because he was put into that position by us from a corner, losing it, and then a simple ball, and, you know, they're in? Well, I, I think there's there's individual areas all over the pitch. And, if, and ultimately, if the goal stemmed from our corner, then it can't be what you know solely one one player responsible. I'd have to look back at that particular goal and um, and, and perhaps Tomato was culpable, but I think it was just an afternoon of collective individual areas um, across the the back line effectively. Um, and, and to pick up on on the Bentley thing, I have I have sympathy with uh, with Bentley, but but my opinion hasn't really changed. I think Sari's our number one goalkeeper. Um, there have People within the fan base that are concerned with him and they see the odd error. Uh, they're not particularly comfortable with how he plays the ball out of the back, you know, from the back, although that's obviously common sort of across the board. But for me, the buy-in with Sar is he's for me, for where we are as a mid-table Premier League team, I don't see many better goalkeepers that we'd be able to trap than 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 Jose Sar, in, in my opinion. Um, you know he's got he's got a recent new contract, and I I feel is he's our number one. I know Bentley came in and did a very good job, Arsenal, and then obviously carried that on to the home game. But if he's fit, he, he has to play. The Bentley one is a really difficult one because with those goals, he's had no help. Um, the the player you mentioned earlier, Dave, who had a poor afternoon, but he wasn't on his own. It was Totti Gomez. He had a tough time on that side. Obviously, you know, they were the most effective against him there. And yes, he, he's, he's had some tough games recently. So um, we can look at individuals, but collectively, as, as, as Jack referenced at the, on sort of the opening chat there, we, we were poor all, all over the pitch, weren't we, really? So we didn't help ourselves. Um, you know, we didn't look like the side that um, had a little bit more time to Better than, than West Ham did, obviously, after their Europa adventures. We look way off it um, across Guys, the pitch. You know, so. What I've got here, this is the angle of the goal, right? 
this is this is from the corner, right? This is from where I'm looking, Jack. You're behind me. So this is the goal. View Have you got a pen here, Dave? I'm expecting like a, a ballpoint pen. Are you going to start putting markers on this? But I want, yeah, I wanted to Monday try and find football. out. This is Monday night know. for Monday night football. Yeah, exactly. This is, <laughs> football. So this is the goal as seen from me. Yeah. I was on row two, which is effectively row one because there was a six foot four person sit, standing in front of us and he sat down, which was really nice of him. So we were literally right on the front. But like, this is the corner where we concede the goal. So I'm going to run this and let's just, uh, you know, give our thoughts on it. Oh! There's Bellegarde missing the ball. There's Guaido, you can see in the middle there, running back. He's one of the three So just going back to it, yeah. there's Samedo. I know it's like mm. there, but he's running across one player to get to that one side. So he's running all the way across. And he's trying to hold up that player and stop him going sideways and past him and trying to get these other players back. Obviously, he cuts <laughs> inside and then he hits it. He tries to block it onto his leg and it's in the back of the net. That's the view. Um I mean, well, it starts with it starts with Bellegarde, doesn't it? Ultimately, yeah. and that, and that's that that's the point. You know, there's collective errors there, isn't there? You know, not one person is solely responsible for that. Um, to be in a position to be that naive from your own corner and to to get taken apart so easily like that, that you know, there's more than one person that's going to take responsibility from that. That might be structurally how we set up, or you know, but the 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 start of that is is Bellegarde appearing to not fully get into that challenge and, and then it all goes to pieces from there. And as you say, Dave, Samedo sort of in a position where he's like, do I make the challenge? Do I make the challenge? Do I sort of jockey a little bit? So do I wait for players to come back? And ultimately, I think he's culpable. Why not really making a decision? And he's just stood off him and allowed him to take that shot. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I also think in defence of Samedo, I mean, he does get some sticks sometimes, but like, None of the goals came down his side. None of them. They all came down the other side. And what I loved about Samedo, he got... I don't know if you noticed this, Jack. Um, Hoops, I guess you watched it on the box? I did. I watched it on the box, yeah. yeah. Well, Jack, I don't know if you noticed this, but I was really, really impressed pressed by Samedo's passion because he got substituted and I was watching the bench and he literally got into the bench, I don't know if he got his jacket, and he threw the jacket down in anger um, and frustration. And to me, that showed a player that's fighting for the cause, that's passionate, that was, you know, upset at where we were in the game. And, you know, you know, sometimes Samedo does get caught on the back post. We saw it, you know, against uh, Forrest. Uh, again, but I would also say that that came down the left-hand side again. The, we gave the ball away and a cross came in and it should have been stopped at source. But Samedo was on the back post and got out. And we've seen that happen sometimes. But generally, his general play is quite positive going forward and back. And, you know, he gets some criticism. And some people like him, some people don't. But I, out of all the players on the pitch yesterday, for me, he was one of the one of the few that came away with a little bit of credit for me. I mean, what's your take 
um, on Bentley yesterday, Hoops. I mean, we have to talk about this. Uh, you know, yeah. Bentley. I mean, on the things learned here, which is a brilliant article, which I will put on the screen for you guys. And you need, guys, you need to read this article. It is absolutely brilliant. I'm so lucky that we've got some fantastic writers. But this is Dave Porter's um, article. And one of the things that he's put here on op number three, um, you only really notice something when it's missing. There was no major goalkeeping errors in this game from the deputising Bentley, but Saar, being the exceptional shot stopper that he probably is, saves at least two of the three goals, which is, I think, Jack, kind of your point. Yeah. He says Saar has his issue, of course, but keeping the ball out the knot is not one of them. He's an international-level goalkeeper, whilst Bentley didn't make any outright mistakes, which I think is a fair comment. Saar is just the better stop shopper. These are the differences that separate the very good from the average, Wolves will want their number one back as soon as possible. What do you think on that? Yeah, I mean, for me, absolutely. As a, as a reference, Jose Sarri is a very good keeper. Um, and, you know, he's our number one. Um, you, we can be a little bit slim politic with this, I guess, really. We can look at the fact that Bentley was backup keeper, keeper for Bristol City and, and sort of later in his career has only had a premiership move. As Gary O'Neill has referenced, he came in as the understudy, and that that really is, is his role. I think it's a difficult one with goalkeepers, whereby, to your earlier point, because there's no automatic clangor. So, for example, if it's gone right under his body, or if he's come out and tried to claim the ball and it's dropped in it, you can see quite simply that is an error, that is a gaff. Whereas when a ball's hit with speed, Whilst the, none of those are really sort of top corner where you think they're out of his reach, you do sort of questions. So there's a little bit of a grey area, but my, my feel of seeing Jose Sar in goal for us over the number of years is that, yes, I think, it, you know, on a, a likelihood, um, he would have at least kept one of those out. So it, I don't know. There's there's a little bit of conjecture, isn't there, with Jose Sar? I was reading online alleged rumours of him going to Saudi in January. I don't know that. I genuinely don't. That's just a rumour. Um, from my understanding, he's been back in training, getting treatment. That's what I've heard. So I believe he's, that's all above board. Um, and he has, as I say, recently signed a new contract. So I think he's our number one. Um, but if it's a shoulder injury for a goalkeeper, then He's got to get that sorted, um, and hopefully it's not that that serious or anything that needs an operation, and and we can see him back in the stick sooner rather than later. Um, because I don't think um, too many of us, unfortunately, as good as a pro Bentley appears to be, have a lot of confidence in him as a as a Premiership goalkeeper. Unfortunately, yeah, very good points again there made as well. And obviously you got King on the bench. He was basically playing in League One or League Two as well. I mean, look at Jackie's. You know, you can imagine if like something happened to Bentley and then you got King. And I mean, you know, maybe he'd be brilliant. I don't know. Um, he's, he's had his one out in hasn't he? Uh, King in the uh, the League Cup. I think uh, he came and uh, and played for us, didn't he, Jack? Um, Right, guys, I want to go through the, the Things Learned article uh, tonight. And, guys, just a reminder that if you want to join in the chat, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel. You can join in the chat. We're going to get you guys involved in this as well. So um, if you're watching this live, um, brilliant. If you're watching it on, on, on catch-up, um, please feel free to drop a comment. But I'm going to go back again to the link, the, the Things Learned article. And as I say, this is a really, really good read. 
Um, number one, Dave Porter says, all very predictable. Wolves don't win often away from home. We don't play well from home. From home. Two wins all season have had elements of fortune, required last-minute winners. Basically, very predictable away form. Talks about VAR, two moments of particular interest, which we, we need to get on. First, a disallowed goal. In real time, it looked offside. Surprised that Wolves fans bothered to celebrate. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, and then obviously, think, and then obviously the second one, the second incident is the elbow from Kufal, uh, who for the world looked like he wanted to spend Christmas back in the Czech Republic while suspended. Uh, it said Kufal's ridiculous assault, as it would transport the first of two on Bellegard, was horrific. Only Jared Gillett will know how he can deem Lamina walking somewhere in close proximity to him in the in a game last season to be worthy of a red card, yet a player being violently elbowed in the head to be just fine. It's another outrageous decision that Wolves will feel rightly aggrieved uh, by, and Gillette or Gillett uh, seems to be endlessly attached in some way to Wolves' fixtures, and there's always controversy. Jack, discuss that that tackle, please. It's assault. It, pure and simple, it's assault. And and I, I think now three of our players have been assaulted this season. Kalajic was punched in the head by the Man United goalkeeper. Kilman was headbutted by the striker at Fulham. And now Bellegarde's been elbowed in the head by, by Sofal. Is it a soft elbow though, mate? Well, <laughs> listen. listen. A soft but, but, but there's a point here, isn't there? Because, you know, like, like Dave said in his article, Lamina was sent off last year for jogging towards that referee and, and in an aggressive manner. What's more aggressive, running towards the referee or punching a player in the head or headbutting someone or elbowing him in the head? Our players ain't safe on the pitch with these referees because they're being assaulted and they're not doing anything about it. I, 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 this, I think what we've got to say, first of all, and, and Hoops will agree, I think, that that red card decision yesterday had no impact on the game. That's... I see Howard Webb has obviously, uh, has obviously got on to Jack and he doesn't like what the voice of reason is saying there, Hoops. I think what Jack, what Jack was saying, Hoops, and hopefully we'll get him back shortly, because uh, there's been a blackout at Jack's, um, is that, um, I mean, hopefully we'll be back a second, is basically that you'd agree that, you know, we're not getting the fair yeah. run of the book again. Yeah, I, I think what, what Jack was was uh, sort of mid um, chatting there was, yeah, it, it was it was an awful, awful challenge, wasn't it? You know, and I think um, Jack's just coming back now, but I'd, I'd only have that sentiment. Howard Webb's at yeah. me again, isn't he? But yeah, it's Jack's Jack's right. If he wants to pick that up again, up, but I can't disagree. It was a horrible challenge. Yeah, carry on, Jack. Before we lost you there, uh, I was just going to say that's not the reason we lost the game because of the the non red card no. or anything like that. That's, that's not. But we've still got to call it out, and we've still got to say that this Jared Gillett or whatever his name is is constantly involved in god awful decisions against against our club. And I think now that we're getting players that have been headbutted and and elbowed in the face, and nothing's getting done about it, there's a, if you like, there's a player safety issue here, isn't there? Because our players are getting assaulted on the pitch, and the VAR is looking at it. You know, he's got multiple angles, slow motion, whatever you want. You can rewind it, fast forward it, whatever you want, zoom in, zoom out, and he still doesn't think he's a red card. He's he's either so incompetent, or he's or he's bent. 
it's one of the two, isn't it? Well, it's, and, and to be honest, Bellegarde even put um, a social post saying, I just do not understand things anymore. And Pe I think Pedros Neto replied to that saying, neither do I, bro. We just go again. Yeah. You know, and, it's, you know, you've got the players that are, you know, are frustrated. I mean, you are right. We, You know, at the end of the day, it's 2-0 at the time. Yeah. We, uh, you know, it could have been 3-0 if they hadn't hit the post and yeah. not gone when Bentley was stranded. But it's a 44th minute foul. It's a red card. They're still down to 10 men for the next sort of rest of that half. And then 45 plus however many minutes the second half, you know, they're down to 10 men. Um, and, you know, I think if we'd have got, if we'd have, if that goal had stood again with Sarabia, which was, I mean, seeing that some of the comments about saying he got clown feet, like how they drew the lines. Yeah. Um, you know, we're playing can I, well. Can I ask, can I ask a, a genuine question here on that that offside? Right. With all the people in the chat and, and Dave and Hoops as well. Is is that disall disallowing that goal what VAR is for? Is that why we brought it in? To, well, to, dis to disallow a goal when someone's shoelace is... is uh, I, 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 I get that this offside is offside. I understand that argument to an extent. But that kind of goal there... If if that goal stands, I don't think any West Ham fan or player or their manager comes out and goes, "We were robbed there." That's miles offside. It's so marginal, so tight. Is that really what we want VAR to be you doing? See, to be was, I think it was Bet Bet three six five um, put out a tweet or something about Wolves and VAR being the the big the, the, the biggest rivalry in the Premier League this season, and then. They uh, they put a tweet out saying about the the Bellegarde thing is what are the VAR operatives saying? Blooming hell, that's like a WWE thingy. That's really bad. And then someone else going, but ain't that a Wolves player though? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a Wolves player. Oh yeah, it was just a soft tackle. And like yeah. this is Bet three six five or or Bet or whatever it was. It was one of the things taking the piss all the way through before through and after the game about like. VAR and Wolves being a bigger derby than Liverpool Man United at the moment because it's such a talking point all the time. I've had on the on the if you watch um the the instant reaction and you watch the match vlog, I've had West Ham fans, mate, that have come on and gone about the tackle on Bellegarde says I don't know how he stayed on the pitch. They've there's also one West fan that came on and said, I feel really, really bad that goal was disallowed because it was a such a beautiful goal. That you scored, that are you know for footballing reasons that that got taken off. Of, you know, I wish it had stood, even though it would have been two one. That's West Ham fans, and they you know that are coming out and saying this. I mean, I mean, here we go again. We're on about the VAR. If you want the VAR T-shirt, the links in the air. The VAR error apology repeats. You know, it goes again. But we are 2 0 down at the time. And, you know, it's something that we do need to talk about. And Jack, I don't know about you in the actual game. You know. That Bellegarde incident, we never really registered it, did we? Actually, in no, the match, because... no, you don't you don't realise how bad it was until you obviously see the replays. But that again, that's the point of VAR, isn't it? Maybe the referee on the pitch doesn't realise how bad it is, but his mate watching the screen and watching the replays should realise how bad it is from the first viewing, and in the very least, send him to the screen and say, "Hang on a minute, mate, you might miss this. Come and have a look at this and see what you think." I think that's a really bad bad elbow. Come and watch it with me. Talk me through it and see what you think. He should be at least sending him to the screen. And if and if the and if the referee on the pitch goes, I'm still not sure, 
fine, we'll stick with your decision. You can have accountability and you can own that decision. But to not even send him to the screen and just to kind of brush it away and go, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a disgrace. I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I'd be saying exactly the same if one of our players did that. And you know what, as well, in regards to that, it's like, you know, it didn't even get a yellow card. It didn't even get go to a check, as far as I know. And us in the stadium, because we're like watching it, we never really realised until probably 15 minutes after the game when people are talking to us and going on yeah. about the tackle. And then we're watching it back on the highlights. We're going, blooming now. It's even on the highlights to talk about it. The VAR thing as well with the goal. Yeah, by the letter of the... I mean, I wish they'd bring in this automated semi-offside thing where it's done quick, like in the World Cup, and they had showed all of that rather than these bloody lines that they keep drawing because human error is still a thing. When does he release the ball? A, a millimetre, you know, a fraction, a, a thousands of a second's difference can mean... So they can manipulate it to a point to, like, a thousands of a second where... It's, one thousand percent. Oh, he's left it there or not, and it can change where the lines are. And I'm not happy yeah. with it. But I think, thing... I, think I'd, I'd just, I'm just gonna make a quick point on that, Dave. The, I think that the, the whole point about offsides with VAR is that the people who defend it, aka Howard Webb and his cronies, say, "Oh, offside is objective. You're offside or you're not." But with VAR, it's still subjective because the official still decides which camera angle to use, and he still decides at what point to pause the the video replay. And he still decides at what point to draw the line and, and all that. So it's still there's still margin for error in, in offside decisions with VAR. Exactly, which not, is why it's I'd not like, black and white as, as why they can't we it? bring in like the World Cup when they had the people stood up in like a two-dimensional thing and it was on the screen and you could sort of visualize it and it was kind of it was quicker. We were stood there for like three or four minutes, and the West Ham fans have gone on about this, and then it comes up with operational VAR. What the hell's operational VAR? We're still, what's that? Is that a new thing? And then about a minute later, it comes off with checking offside. And the second you know that, it's going to, you know, it's going to get, they're looking, almost looking for a way to disallow the goal. Yeah. Anyway, it, 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 technically probably the right decision, but four minutes of wasted time. We've celebrated for five seconds. Um, a great goal. And then we stood around for four minutes waiting to be let down again. And it's, it's and then just... and then the, wor the one of the worst bits is when they put decision offside, they put Cooney's name on. Yeah, they got that wrong. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As well, Hoops, you would have watched that live on, on the TV, right? Yeah. Did you feel like you had an insight of what was what was happening and what they were checking and, and, and on both incidents, did they yeah. mention the Bellegarde incident, and how was it from watching it on the television 
was you did you feel like educated on what was going on because we didn't I, I, I did but i don't think that's necessarily great is it because i think as the as a fan experience for those you know like yourselves who put your money in your pocket and go and watch the games away from home and spend a lot of money you're getting shortchanged aren't you you know we did get you know a full sort of breakdown of it but i pick up the two incidents you talked about nobody in the stadium perhaps being aware of sort of the um how severe that that challenge was on on Bellegarde. I mean, one man who did was was David Moyes, as, as people might see from the pictures, because he was directly behind that challenge, and he even winced visibly. And then um, in the second half, um, if, if people aren't aware, but perhaps they are, he ended up getting booked for a, I would say probably a yellow card again on Bellegarde. And then David Moyes thought, I'm going to have to take this bloke off because, as per your article. He just seemed intent to be sent off. So it's it's an interesting thing. But from a, someone and myself, I don't always get the opportunity to go to away games. I was watching it and I did feel in, informed. The, the Sarabi one, if I'm honest, it was one of those where I thought it looks offside straight away. I'm probably being quite critical here and I've never, I would never be able to lace Pablo Sarabi's boots. But I, at the time I thought he's gone too quick. He didn't need to advance. Because he's that far advanced, I just felt it could have just dropped a little bit, and then he wouldn't have, and then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Made so it, that might be given the opportunity to make a decision. You, yeah, if he'd have just held off a split second, he'd have still been there. Yeah, it would have, it would have still been there. That sounds hypercritical, and I'm, that's as I say, I, I wouldn't have been able to, to get up to the pits to get anywhere near it. But I'm just being honest, and I just thought perhaps you know he was a little bit naive. So. I kind I kind of expected it. I hate VAR. I think it's it, it's horrible. It's infuriating, um, and I think particularly for the fans in attendance where we're in the dark, it's it's awful. But it but it's here, is it? Ultimately, um, and I, and I think what we don't want to do we is have this kind of clipped up and kind of have a a collage over the season of this is Wolves fans whining about VAR. And and to Jack's earlier point, this. I mean, okay, they could have had ten men, but we were playing with about five or six for most of the game ourselves because some of the performances were that bad. So I don't know if it would have had a a bad net result. However, however, as you say, these are moments. Whether or not we would have deserved it or not, that would have surely changed the approach from West Ham uh, with, with that decision. So that that was an awful decision. But I think you know we've talked about getting apologies. We've talked about decisions that we earlier in the season which feel like there were more of a, a direct um impact on our points you know um penalties onana and so forth this one wasn't if, if we're honest however still a, a real scandalous de- decision um and so it's it's, it's poor refereeing and VAR it just saps the life out of the game which you know already has been put into a, a a place making it more difficult for the, the, the fan and people are losing love of this game. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be the beautiful game, but it's pretty ugly at the moment with VAR and it's it's pretty sad to see. Um, but as we say, let's call it as it is. Let's be subjective. Let's be honest. It didn't have a direct result of, of the game. Bellegarde was pretty ineffective yesterday, wasn't he, to be honest? Um, he looked lost like he was out of position. Yeah. Me, I mean, you know, Jack um, and Hoops, 
I felt like Bellegarde was almost playing like a left wing back in the first half, and it's not his position. So I've, and we need to talk about Gary O'Neill, and I'll put at the put the front as the head of this. What the hell was the game plan? What the hell was the game plan yesterday? Because I'm still really not sure what it was. Because, you know, we, we're going into the game and we're going to come back to the things learned in a minute, which there's some more really good points I want to pick out of that and digest a little bit, delve a bit deeper into. But I was re- when, when the team come out, the first thing that struck me, Bentley's in goal. Okay, no Saar on the bench. Obviously got his injury again. Okay, Bentley's in goal. He's done all right. We'll go with that. And then I'm looking. So Bentley's in goal. And then I'm reading the team sheets and I'm going... That looks like a back four to me. I'm like, why has he gone to a back four? And then you thought, okay, has he gone four three three, four two uh, three one, whatever? And we we had a f- good first two minutes, and then it, the same sort of thing happened again. Um, we were pressed back for a long period of time against West Ham. Um, we did; they had about four or five corners in a row. Then we got up the pitch and we got a corner. And then, obviously, they scored off our own corner, which should never happen, really. Um, but Bellegarde, all the way through that opening period, for me, he looked lost on the pitch. He just looked like a little boy lost. He didn't know where to position himself. He's not a left wing back. I mean, am I just talking crap here, Jack, or did you get the same feeling? Yeah, I, I, like I say, I couldn't work out what what we were trying to do. To be honest, um, I couldn't work out whether it was a four or a five. I, I think I think the plan was for to, to 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 play as and sort of help Totty out. But yeah, he got a defensive bone in his body, Belgard. You know, it reminded me of when uh, Nuno tried to put Traore at right wing back for a few games, and it just absolutely fell on its ass because he could, he couldn't be bothered to get back and and defend. And Belgard was exactly the same, wasn't he? You saw in in the in the first goal, he lost, he lost the 50-50 on the edge of their box and just watched the rest of the, the attack unfold. It, you know, it go back to what Hoop said earlier, collective responsibility, you know, and, and, and again, you talk about leadership. And if Kilman, Dawson, Lamina, these big characters we've got on the pitch can see that someone's not doing their job and not supporting and helping out, you've got to tell him. You've got to say, I know you want to go forward and run with the ball and dribble and so We're under the pressure here. They're putting us under real pressure down this side. You've got to get back. And help Totty out. I'll do the same. I'll drop in and Dawson will push wide and help him out as well. But you've got to get back in as well. And it felt to me like it was just kind of going through the motions and it was kind of like, oh, it's not working, but we'll see how it goes. And and for me, I was I was more baffled that O'Neill didn't change it at half time. Mate, I was hoping yeah. he was going to change it after yeah. about 10 or 15 minutes. I was thinking it's obvious to me. I mean, I'm like looking at the game, going back to to Forest in, in the week. We draw in the game, they're sitting back, hardly attacking, come for a point, happy days, hardly causing us any problems. If there was a game to change to a back four that night, that was the game to change to a back four because they were not hardly coming up near us, apart from the odd thing. We had enough, we was all wolf, we needed an extra midfielder, like a Tommy Doyle coming on the pitch to do some forward passes, some clever little runs, which we we did, and we you know it didn't react to it. That was a game for me. We're at home. Maybe we we're, we've got so much charge of the game. We can go to a back four because we're having we need an extra man up front. In in my opinion, to give an option to go thing. But we, you know, they only had Chris Wood come on against us, 
and there is a game and i think there's there's there is games where we could look at doing a back four or we can have that as a plan b when we need to do it but what baffled me what baffled me was west ham are a counter-attacking type of team that's how they play they like you to come on them and hit you into the space and i think sometimes he overthinks the game plan to me and he goes to a back four and we look lost now i want to come on back onto this things learned because i think this is a really good point to discuss um which is the next point um and that is o'neill does not trust the squad and i'm going to read this out so preference was given to changing wolves tactical formation to fit the players that o'neill has confidence in this meant that Agnori remaining not fit enough to make the starting lineup, and Neil elected to change the shape of the team rather than utilise players that he does not trust. The list of players on the naughty list, however, continues to grow and now appears to include Hugo Bueno, now comfortably third choice left back behind Agnori, and a tactical change to move Totti to left back in a four man defence. Santiago Bueno. Totti could have been moved out to the left wing back like as a replacement if O'Neill had confidence to allow Bueno to be the third centre-half. But again, wholesale tactical, tactical changes were preferred. Sasha Kalajic, his dwindling minutes were reduced to a sub not used despite Wolves making no headway at all up front and players such as Wang and Sarabia looking exhausted and ineffective. Fabio Silva, this is now well documented and likely to be finalised in January, Matt Doherty, several ineffective substitution appearances have all been ruled out any ongoing contribution as a left-back. And as a result, O'Neill opted for a move away from a system that has served Wolves well since its introduction and untimely return to a back to four at the back, which exposes the issues of other players such as Dawson, Totty and Kilman. Wolves simply didn't have the personnel to play a back four at the back and change was a damning indictment of the depth of the squad that O'Neill trusts. Um, do you think that's a fair point that he rather changed the formation than actually play some players that he had at his disposal? And again, tactically, again, five substitutions were not used. He only used three again yesterday. Go on, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I'll... sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll and then then well, me Jack follow on. But yeah, I think well, first of all, that's you know what, that's a really good article. And so I just want to also praise that because I think it's very thorough, um, and it's and it's and it's spot on. Um, I think in terms of um, the cynic in me is starting to think he's protecting Silva and Kalaji because he wants them to go in January and not get them injured. That's the cynic in me. Um, it, it would be daft to do so to kind of put that ahead of bringing people on because he thinks they're going to make a difference. But me is um, is, is Tommy Doyle. I think Joe Gomez is a very talented player, as we've seen, but he's a young kid, so he's going to have a dip in form. And I think he's having one right now. And I think there are certain games where you need to kind of take the ball by the horns and be a little bit more forward thinking, forward passing. We saw that, for example, I think best used was in Bournemouth away when Tommy Doyle came on and ultimately changed the game. So from a starting eleven, back to your point about formation, we know Gary O'Neill, this is him. He doesn't always stick to a formation. He's, he's that sort of type of coach who will change depending on opposition. Um, but I think 
many fans will be frustrated that some of the players on the bench aren't getting a look in. If he doesn't favour them, he doesn't favour them and, and maybe there'll be a different bench and squad lookout in uh, in Jan. But for me, there are players there that, as you say, it, it, it feels as if he's only using them if he desperately has to. Given Clyde the sort of minutes that he's getting at the moment, he ain't going to change the game in, in that, in that you know, in, in he's getting pennies for minutes, isn't he? So, Certainly people like Doyle, uh, I think, have got grounds to want to get a start in the side because Lamina is pretty much a starter, but I think Joe Gomez, as an example, Totti Gomez as well in recent weeks, you've got to look at your other options because they're, they're out of form at the moment. They might come back, but right now they're, they're out of form. Uh, Sutty, I've just put that on the screen for you. So it's a catch-up. We've, been talk- we've talked about uh, the Bellegarde. Foul. We've talked about the VAR decisions. Uh, we've discussed, um, you know, the performance of Bentley, um, Samedo. Um, we've talked about things, but one of the things that we, we we've, we've got a fantastic article on the uh, the AlwaysWolfsOfCo.uk website by put together by Dave Porter, which is things learned. We're just going down that, and one of the things that he's talked about, which I'll put it on the screen for you there, um, is and Jack will get your opinion on this, is that he doesn't trust the squad and he changed the formation to fit the players that he had available rather than bring in a Santiago Bueno and put Totti on the left. Um, Hugo Bueno, he could have used on there. Would, you know, Was he playing a four at the back? Bellegarde looked completely lost in the first half, almost playing like a win-back and didn't know what he was doing. Um, I've also said that, in my opinion... There is a time and a place to play four at the back. The, the Forest in the week, we could have changed to a back four because we needed to get more players up front. We could have done it because they were they were literally sitting and doing nothing. We could have lost a defender and put another midfielder on like a Tommy Doyle. Um, and again, he, yesterday, he made only three substitutions. Uh, Totti Gomez was one who had, a, for a second game, had a poor game, I thought. Uh, it took, I think he took... Um, was it Bellegarde he took off? Was, took, was it Sarabia? Um, Bellegarde, I think, wasn't it? And um, Samedo. Bellegarde and Samedo. He took yeah. off in the end. Um, you know, and we were all baffled, and I'm sure you've got a big opinion on this, about if you're going to play a back four, West Ham away, who, who played like a counter-attacking game anyway, and completely exposed the space that we left behind, it's not the game to do it. It's not in that type of game. And it, it, it was baffled all of us. And we, we lost the identity. And we went back to a back four. And lo and behold, we conceded three. We could have conceded four or five simple goals. I think um, I think he dropped a major clangor yesterday, Dave. We do not, I don't care what anybody says, we do not have the personnel to play a flat back four. We've got two centre-halves that turn like the QE2. Um, They're slow. Um, We've got wing-backs that don't know how to play as a full-back. So, for me, you don't change that. Keep it tight. Um, And I think as well, if you play with five at the back, 
and that gives your wing backs the grace to bomb forward. Um, obviously, knowing they've got a bit of cover behind them, if one centre back gets caught out, there's two more to get past. It's a very safe way of playing, but we've been trying this four at the back for two and a half seasons, Dave. And we, if you look at the record of it, we might look good for half a game here and there, but we have been absolutely pumped in most of those games, conceding considerable goals. Um, and I keep hearing this, oh, we need to be more expansive. Yeah, I, I agree. It's been flat. It's been a bit boring, what have you. But going on, I did catch a bit about Kalidic. If Kalidic plays with, and we play five at the back, three centre-halves, two wing-backs, and you have your wing-backs bombing forward, getting crosses in, Kalidic will get you goals. Do not expect a six foot seven centre forward to start working the line. He ain't gonna last the game, Dave. You've got to you've got to use this colossal colossus of a man in the air. We did this with a bloke who was a foot shorter than him for three seasons in Raul Jimenez, and when we played fast attacking forward down the flank forward down the flanks and we had our wing backs bombing forward and putting crosses in you know damn well pre-injury if it was there to be added it was it in the onion bag mate and that was it and unless we go out and spend what i deem to be probably 100 million quid on a whole back line because none of them are good enough to play a four. I don't care what anybody says. I'll argue to the cows come home. They ain't good enough. We've been doing it for two and a half years with almost, apart from Dawson, the same lads playing it. They can't do it. They're not good enough. They're not quick enough. You've got to be quick and you've got to be good on the ball to play a four. You've got to have good awareness around you. If you get turned... You're in trouble. And we get turned far too easily. And he dropped a major clanger yesterday. He shouldn't have played a back four. He has to take, I would say, 80% of the responsibility for that. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. I but not only that, Dave, not only that, I think as well, the players in general need to take the other 20% because they were awful. That's a good point. And, and, and whilst you're on there, we'll go back to the article um, again, because that point that you do make there is also picked up by Dave Porter. There's a couple of things here. Number five, Wolves are carrying players. Wolves had too many players on the pitch that are currently only offering one thing to the game. When that one thing doesn't happen, their overall contributions are so poor and they end up as passengers contributing little to the overall game. Awanga's filed in eight Premier League goals this season, but his current form aside from the goals is poor. He looks tired and desperate for a rest. Sarabia is in the team for the final ball, but routinely slowed up Wolves play and looked lightweight in other aspects. Gomez is there to win the ball, but the midfield is often bypassed by him and offered little in possession. Players need to offer more than their primary function. He's also gone on to talk about the substitutions. Uh, Wolves made three substitutions yesterday in a game that just wasn't working for them. And you could argue that all three were either forced or made with the future games in mind. 
None of them appeared to be likely to impact the game or the result. Totti Rizmizu, because he was being poor and already been booked, was making clumsy challenges. A red card was probably close. Lamina and Samido felt like they were being re- replaced and the tail being thrown in on the game to preserve them for battles to come. And there was a word of illness in the camp, and I'm also sure that that also played a part in the decision-making. But the substitutions, substitutions felt passive and unlikely to make an impact on the game. And you can actually hark back to the Forest game with that. Kalajic coming on. First minute of added time. It's like, what's the point? I mean, what what was it? What, I can't remember now. When did we concede the third goal? What minute was it? 70-something? 73, 74, something like and that. We were yeah. looking all right for 15, 20 minutes after the, yeah. after the, then. We were looking better. But when then you've, conceded, got... you've conceded your third goal, get a big man on, get silver on. What you have you got well, to lose? You've got nothing to lose. Give them a go. and you've Because with injury time nowadays, if they come on in the early 70s, they're going to get a good 20 minutes. Now, in the last two seasons, I've seen us come back from two down when we looked dead on our feet at Villa Park. 82nd minute, we were losing 2-0. Yeah, so it can happen. If you're going to lose, you're going to lose. I don't I, I don't mind losing to anybody, Dave. I've seen this, this Wolves team. Well, I've been at Wolves since 77-78. And I'm pretty sure if I rip every single result down that I've been to, I've seen far more defeats than victories. And I've become acclimatised to defeat. But it's the manner in which we get beat. And Jack yesterday, earlier. yesterday uh, you, you'll have to apologise, Jack. I'm playing catch-up here because I've literally rushed home. Um, um, yesterday is just not acceptable it's not I'm, I'm not blaming gary o'neill i keep harping back to we've sold 160 million quids worth of players we spent 30 million on players he's had three days pre-season what do we expect of him what exactly. realistically what do we expect now what i expect i think this guy has got more balls than we actually think because he's now starting looks to me like he's now starting to sort of push the players slightly away that he doesn't want. So he's making it quite obvious that he's not really a fan of Kalidic. He's certainly not a fan of Silver. Johnny Otto's never going to wear a wool shirt again. I would be absolutely surprised if any of those three were there in January. So I think he's now doing a little bit of a mild Lopetegui saying... Come on, we. You said to me the remit was to save ninety million quid, which we've done, and get this team in seventeenth place. If that's the remit, we're flying. So, give me something, especially with the the Asian Cup. Huang will be gone. African uh, Cup Nations. Uh, there's eight Norrie gone. Uh, probably Lamina's gone. Lamina's not going because uh, oh, Gabon didn't qualify. I oh, didn't they? Well, you know, you've lost a cup, two or three players again. So Traore, yeah, Bubakar yeah, might go. Yeah, yeah, he'll go. So you've 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 got to give the bloke half a chance. You can't keep fannying around, Dave, saying, "Oh well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll hold on till the summer." Well, yeah, that's fine because the trans January transfer window, is, as we know, is perilous. You either 
do good or you do absolute rubbish in it and it's a time of desperation january you're either desperate because you're on the cusp of something very good i.e like our illustrious neighbors they're doing very well a, a, a blueprint that we should actually be looking at dave because they are streets ahead of us now they are yeah only three years only three years ago dave three years ago dave they were a country mile behind us not anymore because they've got a blueprint and an owner that actually knows what he wants and where he wants to put that football club i don't think our owner really knows what he wants with wolves still to this day i think he wants us in the premier league as a good asset because it's it's a valuable asset then but i'm still not convinced dave by their intentions with this football club we will see probably not in january but next summer what their intentions are because we're already getting tales of all you know 65 million lost this year how many this club must have been so poorly run so poorly run that we have had to find we've just got rid of 160 million so if we've got to find another 65 there's over 200 million pound it must have been shockingly run, Dave. No two ways about it. But let's see what they do with him because he's punching above his weight at the moment because this squad, this squad, not quite good enough, Dave. Uh, yeah, I'm going to come in with hoops in a second, mate. I, the, the point I want to make is, is regards to Gary O'Neill. And, you know, you've seen the, 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 the keyboard warriors. I've had I just comments. want to say I'm not slagging him off, Dave. I'm not slagging over. No, no, you're not. I know. I'm not referring. What I'm saying is, is, you know, early season, Gary O'Neill came in. He was the PE teacher. Da, 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 da. He's not good enough for this club. He doesn't, he's beige. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, he'd come in three days before the start of the season. I said then, he ain't getting sacked. He's just come in with three days of pre season. What do you expect? You've got to, you, he, ain't, he ain't going anywhere. You've got to give him the time. And then we beat Man City. You know, Neto's on fire. He's got us playing. You know, we've, we've lost points from VAR. He goes on Monday night football. He's a revelation. You know, everyone's currently done... Loads of people did a 360 and go, actually, this guy knows knows what he's on about. And I said then, you know, that's going really well. But you can't... Let's not get carried away again because we've had a really good run of period and some great performances and great results. And... The last few games, it's kind of dipped the other way. It's kind of like getting frustrating. It's starting to look the same every game. You know, even against Tottenham, we um, conceded a goal in the first two minutes. We conceded early against Fulham. You know, we were lucky not to concede against Burnley. We conceded first against Forest. You know, we conceded again early doors. I can't remember the last time. Can anyone tell me the last time we scored first? Oh, that would be Burnley, yeah. Burnley, yeah. Burnley. other than Burnley. Um, the Everton, time before that, probably. Yeah, Everton, maybe, yeah. Everton, or, that was like... Or, or Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, because we went behind against Bournemouth as well, didn't we? Yeah. Exactly. So, like, yeah. the big problem, the big concern for me is the fact that we're on the back foot for the first 20 minutes. We, we're conceding a goal and then we're trying to play catch-up. Um, I mean, we did have a good period in the second half. I don't understand how we are every single game going out and handing the initiative to the opposition. 
every single match. And that's a worry to me. And Gary O'Neill has got to sort that problem out because as well as set pieces, our set pieces are terrible as well. I mean, we conceded a damn goal off a set piece yesterday. We had a set piece and then like 20 seconds later, the ball's in the back of our net. We've covered that. And he's an intelligent man, <coughs> intelligent coach. And Jack said earlier days, I think you'll, I mean, Jack, you said, and I will come to you with hoops just after, that you think Gary's going to learn a lot from the weekend and the last couple of games, didn't you? Yeah, I think I think he's got to, and I think Sutty's right on the money there. I think we've got a, a very young, inexperienced manager in Premier League terms, so he's going to have days like that where he gets his setup wrong and he gets his subs wrong and his formation, and and you're kind of sitting there going, "What's he doing?" But as long as he learns from it and goes, "Well, that was a fucking nightmare. I'm not going to do that again." Then I think that will help us improve steadily as we go through. Listen, I think. We'll have more days like that to come this season because that's where we are. We're a, we're a bang average mid-table club. So we're going to go to West Ham and get battered and we're going to go to other places and get done. And we're going to go and get good results at home and we might get the odd result away. Well, that's just what, what football is, isn't it, at the minute? We're the same as, as Fulham and Brentford and Palace and all these teams in that little bit where we are. We're going to have results like that. So I think it's important not to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and sort of the doom and gloom to start sinking back in. Yeah, it was an awful performance and a, a really bad result. And there's no excuses and it's not acceptable. But let's learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And and I agree completely with what you're saying. Someone said I wasn't I wasn't after the Ipswich match. I was going absolutely nuts after that Ipswich game because, you know, it was just so bad. And I was really starting to get stressed out about it then. And then we go and beat Man City and, and stuff. Yeah. Now, listen, we might get Neto back for Chelsea. Christmas Eve, he might be, I don't think he'll start, but he could be on the bench, which would be really good. We've missed him. He's someone that drives the ball. He's not frightened to run with the ball. He'll run at anyone. He's like, he scares off. And when you've got a player like Neto on the pitch, it does mean that the opposition, you know, are a little bit scared to come forward. West Ham, we made it so easy for them yesterday. It was like they didn't really need to do anything. It was so bad. But he's got to, to learn from these mistakes. The substitutions... They were very much like Bruno Large substitutions yeah. the last few games. It's like they were reactive rather than proactive. I can't forgive bringing on Kalajic for four minutes um, at the end of the Forest game. I'm like, what? If you're going to bring him on, at least give him 10 or 15 minutes to do something. You can go on the pitch for four minutes and the ball never even comes near you. You've so I'm a bit worried that the last few games it's been quite reactive. And I think Dave Porter in his article suggests, and I think, you know, you guys have pulled across that maybe there's some players that he just doesn't fancy or doesn't want to use. But I do think, as Sutty said, it's like after 70-odd minutes, you've got them on the bench, get them on the pitch. You, you're 3-0 down. At the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen after that? Hoops, what's your take on the uh, where we're where we're at with the season with Gary O'Neill and where he is and what he's learned and you know what what's your over overall? Let's talk about the season as a whole rather than just the last game and how we started, where we've come to, and where we're up to now. Where where are you with Gary O'Neill? Now we're at with what we are seventeen games into the season. Well, I, I think you know he's not. A PE teacher, as as kind of as he's been referenced, but nor is he in the Messiah. 
Um, I've kind of been middle ground with him from day one. Um, I think I held a very similar view of, of Sutty on, on the last manager, uh, held in high regard, who was someone who was proactive and, and his in-game management was very good. However, he didn't want to be in. He had a lot more experience in the bank. So we, what we have got is a, a manager who wants to be here. He's young, he's hungry, um, but he's certainly a little bit wet behind the ears in terms of you know his managerial um, prowess. It's going to take time. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit torn on the substitutions because I, I absolutely believe the fact that you use what you've got. And, uh, and I take the point that if you're, you're 3-0 down with 20 minutes to go, um, just just go for it at, at that point in time. It's not like the game's evenly poised, so give them minutes. But I also take the point that was raised earlier that perhaps this is showing he, he's playing his cards I don't know, again, if it's a message to the board or if he's just saying, do you know what? I don't rate you. You're on my bench because there's no other options right now, but I don't rate you. And maybe, you know, he has given silver chances. People can argue he maybe should have given more, but he played him, obviously, at the start of the season. He doesn't rate him. That's his prerogative. Time will tell whether or not he was right not to to, to rate him or include him more. And then perhaps with Sasha as, as well. So... My opinion of Gary O'Neill is the jury's still out because he's still got to to earn his fruits as a as a manager. Um, I'm certainly not um, against him or have any desire for him him to go at all. Um, I'm just pretty on an even kill with him because there's still time to to and hopefully he's going to learn his his lessons. Um, he's a very likeable guy. He seems a very thorough, very methodical guy. He seems a real student of the game. Um, and I'm pleased we've got someone like him representing us as, as, a, as a club. So I'm happy he's in charge. Um, but only time will tell. I think the, the, the real context is where we are right now, as I think Jack references, is, is about right. You know, you can you can argue points on VAR or maybe we should have been six or seven points. I don't know about that. We're a mid-table side. We're inconsistent. You know, we'll, we'll pick up one or two points or we'll lose against Sheffield United, but we'll beat Man City because we're inconsistent, because we can't really go on a, on a run of games, because we haven't really at this stage got a clear identity. We're not in a full flow. So, um just reading the comments there. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make mistakes. So um, hopefully, and as you say, sort of the, the the spin we're hearing is is with maybe two players in January. Hopefully, he gets a little bit more back in than that. And I'm 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 fully behind him, but I'm not sort of one way or the other with him because it's still to me very early in his tenure with us, and it's very early with him as a manager. Uh, January will be interesting if he gets his wish, brings players in. Um, and that will be interesting. And, and I think the end of the season, there will probably be a better discussion on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this is this is where this is where we've got to be. Um, Sutty made the point that you know he's overtrieving. I mean, we should have had seven more points anyway in terms of the VAR. So you added them into the mix as well. You know, um, Gary O'Neill has come in very very short notice. We've he's had seventeen games. It's not been great the last few games. It's been very frustrating. But ultimately, if we um, if he improve if we finish higher than thirteenth this year, and we've you know it's twelfth, eleventh, tenth, whatever, that's progress. 
what I hope he'll also, what I'm hoping also for, a, for as a Wolves fan, we need a little bit of excitement, something to get excited about. I really hope he doesn't water down the the FA Cup. We've hardly got any bloody games in uh, in January anyway. So like Brentford have got loads of injury problems. They've also had, I mean, um, they've got the two strikers. I mean, Tony doesn't come back till after we played the FA Cup. Who's their other striker that's now out for three months? Oh, and Buemo. And Buemo, is it yeah. me that's also suspended for the suspended, league game? Yeah. It's like we need to go to Bournemouth, uh, to Brentford, and you know win both of those games. I mean, we've Brighton away, um, and that's about it. So go full strength as, as strong as we can in the FA Cup, and let's try and have a, an, a, an FA Cup run because I think that will be good for the morale of the fans to be have something to get excited about. We can go with a team like Wolves you know, can go far in the FA Cup if we get favourable draws and we play and we and we go for it. What I what I'll be very, very disappointed is if he goes half hearted with the FA Cup because I think there's an opportunity there to get past Brentford and get and, and get into the next round and see where we can go with it. And I think if you can take the uh, the fans along on a little bit of an FA Cup run as well, that'll keep our season interesting. I think it's fair to say that we're going to finish anywhere between, I think, um, 16th and probably 9th, depending on how the season balances out, what happens in January. Now, I do agree that it looks like Fabio's going to be going, probably be on loan with an option to buy. That Eventually, they've got to truly cash in on this £35 million or whatever they'll get for him. Sasha Kalajic, I feel sorry for him. Um, I don't think he's done anything wrong. He's, you know, he, he scored against Everton. He scored a couple of goals. Uh, he's not just a one-trick pony in the air. He can do in the air. But we've seen his vision and very crop can cross the ball. In Fineto, that one that he missed against uh, uh, Spurs was a beautiful ball. He's, he's good on the floor. And I feel like, for him, I feel like he's been out for so long and he's not getting on the pitch or getting four minutes. I feel... I feel disappointed that he's not giving a getting more of a chance. The other thing that I worry about, and you touched on this, in in January, Wang's off to the Asia Trophy. He's our top scorer. You've got Fabio Silva, who ain't even getting on the pitch and probably going to be out on loan. Kuna, if he picks up an injury, God forbid. Um, and then you've got, like, Sasha. We haven't got anything else up front other than Fraser, the... Um, is it Nathan Fraser, the yeah. uh, the young lad? Yeah. They've got to invest in a striker. They have got to buy. Now, from 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 the vibes that I'm getting, they've already got targets lined up. I mean, reading between the lines, I think there's things lined up to happen in January. I think there's a striker going to come in. I think there'll be another wide forward. Yerson Mascara, I wouldn't mind getting him back either. He's done really well in the MLS, hasn't he? And giving him a chance. I mean, Jack, you're nodding. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think um, January is going to be quite interesting because I think, you know, going back to what we were saying about not trusting the subs. If you don't trust a player, why put him on the bench? You know, because like you've got Sasha on the bench there. Now, if if Cunha pulls his hamstring in the second minute of the game, you're telling me you're not going to bring Kalajic on? You know, he's on he's on the bench there to use him. And then if you don't trust him to play. Don't have him on the bench. Put Fraser on the bench or Chiwomi from the 21s or someone like that. Just someone, just yeah. Just, so, um, but but I think January, I think they definitely want a striker. I think I've seen the the lad from Czech Republic linked. Um, is it? I 
Durasinmi the name, I think. Um, I think what I think what O'Neill wants is, is mobility in his striker. He wants someone that can hold the ball up so that Kuna can play around him and Wang and Neto and, and Sarabia does, and yeah. Belgod. Yeah, that's, I think that's what he wants. And, it only and if you see some from... of the moves that we play, the yeah. goal um, against Forrest, the goal that was disallowed against um, West Ham, yeah. Very similar goals, but they were like yeah. one to, 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 to off each other. When that works, it's fantastic. Yeah, we've scored what? some really good goals this season. We some have really good goals. When it works, you see them doing these one-touch football, and when we move the ball quick and there's the movement off the ball, we break these teams down yeah. and we score a goal. What happens when we don't do that? Like against um, Forest, the movement stopped because they weren't getting the forward balls, which is you know. And, you know, they stop making the runs and we start to become slow. When we we seem to start the, the games really slow passing and then when we went behind against Forest, all of a sudden the tempo and the energy levels went up. Oh, my God. And we started zipping the ball about quicker and it happened again at West Ham. And we started to look like, oh, that looks good. We look like we can play football. But when it breaks down, it doesn't start to happen and the passes go astray. We lose the ball. And then they're in on goal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in January. Um, on and, I, and I'm like with you, Sutty and Hoops and Jack, I think we'll tell a lot about what they do do in January. I think there'll be a 20, 25 million probably there or thereabouts to spend. And then obviously at the end of the season, when we get to the summer, the likes of Forest and all of them are going to be having their own little chats with the FFP. You know, I had a big chat with the Forest fan and he was going, no, we're fine. I'm like, how much have you spent in the last two years? 200 million. I'm like, so it's your third year in the Premier League next year. This is going to, because he thinks Lopetegui was going to go there. And I'm like, why would Lopetegui go to Forest? He'd be going to exactly the same situation as he was with Wolves in a relegation battle. And then in the summer, he's going to have the same FFP issues. It's like, he ain't going to Forest. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And I think we're going to keep a close eye on this because I think we'll be okay this season. I think we have got quality in the squad. And I think we have got the potential when it clicks to be a very, very good side. But we're not the finished article yet. And I think people have to rein in these expectations that we're going to be just rolling teams over. We're going to have periods probably where we win a couple of good performances and then we're going to have these periods where we're not. The worry is if these trends turn into a long-term trend and this is where Gary O'Neill's got to, got to earn his money. Now, guys, I'm going to come back to you in a second for your performance rating, your highlights of the day and your man of the match, but I've got to, I've got to just talk about our partner, FOCO, um, because you still want your Christmas presents, guys and gals. So you've got all of these that are on the uh, on the the Foco website, which is still that I think they're still on next day delivery at the moment. You have got your slippers, black and thing. You have got your Brixel uh, Molyneux. You build yourself Molyneux and ball. You still can get your Christmas crackers and baubles. You have got the big blanket, which is very very warm. You have got your Wolves pajamas, your cap, and maybe these two things you probably have you wouldn't wear at Christmas, but you might be for your summer holiday. Um, the gnomes are sold out at the moment. They've gone really, really popular. But if you go on and use the links in the description below, along with the, the, the VPN thing, and use Always Wolves 15, you still will get that 
uh, that fifteen percent off. So it's worth doing because you know they are quite they are licensed Wolves products and the quality is quite good. Right, hoops. We're going to come to you first for your Fox at Shipley performance rating. What you're going to go with? Um, four and a half. Four and a half, Keith. Yeah, I, I, it, look, it was, it, it was, it was poor. It, I would say it was slightly less than an average performance. So, so, so four, four and a half. Um, that is that is a rate. And if you want, we do you want me to cover man and moment of the match, well, or yeah, do you want to come back on that? More windows, man of the match as well. Go on then. Again, that that's that's a difficult one. Um, there's not many. There's not many candidates, is there, to be honest. Um, I'm going to say maybe Cunha, um, but again, that's not to say that he had a particularly great performance, um, but you always feel with him in the side. He's been in recent good form, you know, of, of late, that there may be an opportunity. And, and the moment would be the, the ultimately can't come to no avail was the good move that led to the goal but this is really i've got to say this is scraping the barrel and i think it just shows how crap that performance was unfortunately absolutely sooty same ones to you mate two a two awful you think tell me a worse performance this season well i well i well i gave it a three so i was pretty down on it myself mate to be fair I can't think of a worse performance this season than that. What what worried me? What worried me watching that yesterday was was not we were poor with the ball, but without the ball. What you've got to look at when we play a flat back four is how we are without the ball, and we are an utter utter shambles when we have got the ball. We look all right going forward with it in a four, but as soon as that breaks down, we're in trouble. That's what you've got to look at. And I think people only look at how we go forward with the forks. Obviously, we've got another attacker on the field. It's when it fails. That's that. There lies your problem when it fails. So it's a two for me because we were poor without the ball. Really bad. Um, man of the match, I'll give it Cunha because he doesn't, he never stops trying. He's passionate, and he, you know, he, he gives it gives it his all. And uh, my moment of the day, Dave, I'll give you a moment of the day. Was sheer relief that I never went yesterday. <laughs> Good one. I, 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 I know you feel for me and Jack, mate. Jack, over to you, buddy. Uh, performance rating. I'm gonna go you a three. Like I said. Like I'm with Sutty, I can't think of a worse performance. Possibly Luton, but we had ten men for an hour, didn't we? So you kind of there's a bit of leeway with that one. But yeah, it was really poor. Um, man of the match, I was going to go Sarabia. I thought he was in terms of what he what he's in the team. I, to do, I thought, I thought really, he yeah. did to an extent what he was in the team to do. He, he created some chances and he, he got into nice little areas and. You know, like you say, he finished the goal quite nicely, but it obviously didn't count. But um, it's slim pickings again, isn't it? You're struggling to kind of, you know, you want you want four or five candidates for a man of the match, don't you? And you're struggling to pick one at the minute. So that probably tells you everything. And similarly to, to Sutty there, my eye of the day was leaving at the end. I hate going to West Ham. It's awful. 
and I'm glad I ain't got to go there for at least another year. So, yeah. Unless That's we get him in the cup. Well, let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope not. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. Right then. So, um, we are going to do the quiz and then we're going to come back with our uh, with our thoughts ahead of Chelsea. So, um, let's go. You'll all get your three penalties. So, uh, I'm going to flick and I'm going to stop. Where am I going to stop? Oh, this is a nice one. Right then. As you were last on, Sooty, you don't get the choice. Um, Jack, you don't get the choice. Hoops, I'm going to give you the choice this week. First, second or third? First. Let's, let's, let's go up first, this, the spot. I, I took a penalty earlier in football training at um, the Christmas... Um, got the parents involved in my daughter's training and that was pretty shocking so um this will probably be the same um but go for it put me up on the spot first mate jack second or last yeah i'll go second why not so tia you're on you've got the privilege of going last then so here's your uh here is your first question hoops where was graham turner born hereford Ellesmere Port, Birmingham, or Northampton? He places the ball on the spot. Graham Turner. A Wolves fan at birth, I believe, as well. Um, and then manager. Um, Ellesmere Port. Very nicely finished. Much better than your daughter's penalty training uh, session. Oh, I, I was shocking. I, I probably can't get out of this seat. I just I seized up by having to get up. So anyway, we'll move on. But yeah, I wondered uh, how is looking so disappointed. He's been on the sherry earlier then because of that. <laughs> he went out the house. He's been drinking. Right, Jack. Who did Graham Turner take over from as manager of Wolves in 1986? Was it Graham Hawkins, Tommy Doherty, Bill McGarry, or Sammy Chapman? Um, I probably should now. That shouldn't I? I, I think uh, Tommy Doherty was manager around that time. We were pretty bad, so I'm just going to go with that one, Tommy Doherty. And it's been saved by the keeper. You gave him the eyes, but he wasn't yeah. filled, mate. He wasn't filled. Yeah. So Sooty, if you've ever watched um, Ted Lasso, Sooty is our Roy Kemp. <laughs> He literally is our Roy Kemp. Have you ever watched Ted Lasso? That's a great programme. Uh, I am literally. Sooty's our Roy Kemp. He just is. Says it how it is, right? Voice of reason. Says it how it is. Hoots, we need one for you, don't we? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to have to think of a strap line for you. And it, it can't be involving Howler drinking the sherry. Right. Sutty, Roy Kemp. What's the last club Graham Turner managed before taking over at Wolves? Was it Wrexham, Chester, Aston Villa or Darlington? Villa. In true Roy Kemp style, kills it. Back of the net. Nice shot. So, that's... Um, that's a good start for both uh, Hoops and 
Sutty, one out of one. Jack missing his first penalty, but you're still in the game, mate. So, Hoops, back to you. Okay. What division were Wolves in when Graham Turner took over as manager, mate? First division, second division, third division or fourth division? Fourth. No mess in this time, eh? Two out of two. That confidence strutting along like a peacock <laughs> coming up. Bosh, straight in the back. Blow <laughs> now. You'll be going down to your daughter's training session next week going, hey, look at me, you know. <laughs> right, Jack, you have to score this penalty to stay in contention. How many promotions did Wolves win whilst Graham Turner was manager? None. One. Two. Or three? Two. Locking it in? Go on, then. Fourth and third division, wasn't it? It might have been, yeah. Yeah, correct answer. Yeah. Well done, it was two. You're still in the game, mate. You're still just in about, the game. Just about. So, Sutty, uh, to, keep, to keep the pressure on hoops, Graham Turner managed Wolves when they won the Sherpa Van Trophy. Also, oh God, also known, also known as the English Football League Trophy at Wembley in 87-88. Who did they beat that day? Was it Rochdale, Peterborough, Notts County or Burnley? Burnley. Blooming hell. It can't get much. Was you there? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Two out of two. Jack. Hoops, back to you. The, the Final pen. Three out of three. Which club did Graham Turner manage after Wolves? Was it Kettering Town, Hereford United, Oxford United, or Grimsby Town? Hereford. Three out of three. Three out of three. Jack for pride. Okay. <laughs> In October 2010, Graham Turner was awarded the freedom of which city? Was it Hereford, Shrewsbury, Wolverhampton, or Ellesmere Port? Um, We've not really had the, the run of the green. <laughs> no, that's, that's not an easy one. In fairness, no. uh, let's let's go Hereford. Let's try that. I know he was manager for a while there, wasn't he? So let's go and with it that. Was a, it was well put away. So you do score two out of three. There so you fair, go. fair play to you. Fair play to you. Right. Sutty, to force it to a sudden death playoff. Graham Tanner has managed more games than any other Englishman. How many games during his 36-year career has he managed? Is it? I thought you were going to ask me then. <laughs> is it 1,501, 1,601? I'm just checking this on the uh, on the answers. 1,501,1,601,1,651,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,1,
can't be 2000 because that mean he'd have to be a manager for nearly 50 years uh, um, I'll go for the second one to guess so the three choices left of 1,501,1,651. One thousand six hundred and one. You hit the post. It's one thousand six hundred and fifty-nine. Close. So hoops and and howler. Look at his smile on his face. He's so proud of you. We're in the background now. Well done, you've won. Right, there is one more question, and we're just going to do this as a, just a bit of fun with all three of you, right? Right, so Wolves won 164 games whilst Graham Turner was manager. How many games was he manager for, though? Hoops. I'm not going to give you an A, B, C or D. It's just how many games was Graham Turner manager? Okay, and of, and of those, of, and of those, he won 164. Okay, yeah. um, closest wins. I don't know why I'm delaying because I've got no idea. Um, Wolf is whispering in your ear, a howler is. I know, um, 302. So, locked in, hoops. 302. Jack. No, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Your no, I reckon he won a lot of games early on, didn't he? When we got, uh, I think we got playoffs first year and then got promoted back to back. So I reckon he probably managed about 330 games. Three, is that what you're locking in? I'm going to lock that one in, yeah. 330. Sooty. 242. 240. Is there any logic in that at all? I'll just try and work out how many games they've done in a season. So you and reckon he won 164 games out of 240 matches? He won a lot of games in three, in four and three. Hell of a lot of games. Okay. Well, Jack, I can tell you that you are the closest with your guess. So you have literally redeemed yourself tonight with okay. that bonus prize. The actual correct answer is 383 games. 383 games managing Wolves. Fantastic. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Right then, final question of the night. Looking ahead to Chelsea hoops, um, thoughts ahead of that one and score prediction. Hopefully, we see Pedro Neto. That's that's kind of what I think I'm clinging on to. Whether or not he'll start or not, I don't know. And hopefully, Aynori can start as well. Um, and it'd be nice to see Tommy Doyle, but those are just personal preferences. Um, Chelsea, they've had a bit of a bizarre season, haven't they? Really, um. But they've got some hell of a good players. Um, prediction, though, could it keep it short and sweet? 2 1 Wolves win. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get back on winning ways. 2 1 to the Wonders. Okay, I hope so. Uh, Jack, your thoughts ahead of the match and uh, your score prediction? Uh, 
we need a response after after yesterday, don't we? We we do tend to do quite well at home. Um, so I'm going to go two one as well. I think we'll it'll I think it'll be a decent game, and I think we'll nick it. Two one, okay, two one, like yeah. it, like it. And um, Sutty, finally, <clears throat> if we play with a back four, we'll lose two nil. If we play with a, a three and wing backs, we'll win two nil. <laughs> two nil, like it, okay. So there you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast tonight. A big thank you again, uh, of course, to uh, to Creation Wolf, the local Wolverhampton business for powering extra time. Uh, can help your business with the latest uh, solutions, branding, uh, taking your brand and online presence to the next level. And trust me, they are the best in the business uh, at this. So it's worth checking them out. Um, also, don't forget, um, if you do want to get your last-minute Christmas gifts, um, the link to your FOCO uh, licensed Walls products is in the description below. Use always Walls 15 to get yourself a discount. I think there's still time to get stuff delivered before Christmas. And the uh, the Nord VPN offer, which is mega cheap, um, and you can treat yourself, and if you buy it once, you can use it for all the devices for the whole family. Um and get two years and a four extra four months. You can't actually get that directly through the year, uh, directly through Nord, only through Always Wolves link, which is in the description below. You get that extra month and you've got a 30 day money back guarantee on it as well. It's a no brainer. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and there is a VAR t-shirt. If you fancy you get yourself a VAR t-shirt, loads of you've got that. It's uh, quite funny, which Emma designed. And uh, yeah, I just want to say a big thank you to, uh, to Hoops, to Jack and for Sooty for coming on. Uh, we've done it for you on a Monday night and um, we're looking ahead to Chelsea. There probably won't be, there will not be an extra time on Christmas Day. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, but I might be having a little chat about the, the year as a whole with my dad, Magic Moss, a live show on Wednesday if you look out for that. And then we've got all the build-up to, um, of course, Chelsea. And then we're going to be busy over the Christmas period with all the uh, with all the games. And then we've got the transfer window. So, if you've enjoyed tonight, please smash a like. Uh, let YouTube know that you've enjoyed it. If you're watching it back on Catch Up, uh, leave your thoughts in the comments. If you're listening to it on uh, on any of your podcast providers, of course, make sure uh, that you uh, give us a rating on that one. And uh, as I say, if you're brand new, please subscribe because all the latest Wolves news and views here on the biggest and most watched Wolves channel, Wolves fan channel on YouTube. From all of us to all of you, God bless you wherever you are. Hope you're having a looking forward to Christmas. Let's hope that Chelsea, we get a Christmas Eve gift. And also, it makes my birthday happy because my birthday is the 23rd and they got and they moved it to Christmas Eve. So, uh, you know, make my Christmas happy as well. And my dad, cheer him up. God, God bless and uh, always Wolves, everyone. Always Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.